Hello, what's crack and how you guys doing? It is April the 25th, 2018, and it is your boy Maurice McMillan with the Don't Quote Me podcast. And as you can hear, that's some trash in the background. I got a plastic bag at my ankle because I like to live in squalor and keep it real. But um, anyway, let's get started with the show today. Um, this is going to be a kind of... Uh, less political slash more political episode than I kind of wanted it to be but in the wake of like what's happening on the internet right now I feel like I have to talk about Kanye and apparently now Chance the Rapper so it's just like it today might be a little bit different from the uh, normal schedule but this is uh gonna be the what 10th episode officially of this podcast so um I've been thinking about changing my release time maybe doing it earlier in the day or later in the day I'm not sure but um or if I should even change the day itself because I'm not sure if doing it at Thursdays at midnight is best and if there is a better time to release it I should probably like look it up I'm open to suggestions or whatever for future reference if y'all ever want to hit me up ask me anything call me out send me death threats it's all fine it's all whatever you can do that on my twitter account at uh, ugly at ugly flame it's spelled normally ugly flame all one word and uh anyway so first I'm gonna start off like usual and um talk about a couple of shout outs so first and foremost i want to give a shout out to james shaw jr you know uh he's a young uh black man who stopped the waffle house waffle house killer from killing more people the waffle house terrorists if you were asking me but um you know in this country calling white people who do heinous things terrorists is usually frowned upon and discouraged at all chances you know but that's neither here nor there. But I, I do want to read to you a little bit. I just pulled from the uh, New York Times article about when it happened. This is a couple of days ago now, of course. But um, basically, they said he, if you don't know the story, you might be living under a rock. But let's pretend that you don't know the story. He rested an assault rifle from a gunman at a Waffle House restaurant near downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Four people were, were killed. And this was on Sunday morning. And four others were wounded. And law enforcement officials and customers said that they had Mr. Shaw, a 29-year-old electrician, to thank to thank for preventing more bloodshed. And uh, since the hours after the attack, he found that he like all the surge of like gratitude and respect kind of like put him off, made him uncomfortable. And he says. I'd rather you just regard me as James, you know, just a regular person, because I feel like everybody can pretty much can do pretty much what I did. And that's the sign of like true heroes, you know, true heroes don't like to brag. So just shout outs to James Shaw. So I wanted to give him the first one because I felt like he he had an actual life and death situation and actually saved lives. So he gets the first shout out of the day. So these are going to kind of scale downward, I guess, and overall importance eh, a little bit. So uh, I want to give a shout out to Senator Kamala Harris from my state of California. 
because she announced a couple days ago that she was not going to take corporate PAC money anymore. And in my personal opinion, that was one of the major things that was kind of making me iffy about her running for president. But now that she's not taking corporate PAC money, assuming that she sticks to that, I think she has a much, 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 much better chance of running for and eventually succeeding at a presidential campaign. And which is even funnier because it came out on uh, The Breakfast Club. And I- I'm assuming that Charlemagne just gave her his endorsement because he said like uh, Kamala for Harris, uh, Kamala for president a couple times. So he could be joking. But if, if he were serious, I wouldn't fall. I would hold it against him. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, she's cool with me. But, you know, everybody disagrees, whatever. And I want to give a shout out to Meek Mill because he was finally released from prison yesterday. And uh, if you don't know the story, hopefully I'm not getting this wrong. I'm going off of memory. But basically what happened was is that he was on probation for several years for some minor offense from when he was, I think, 18 or 19. And what triggered his parole violation was that he he popped a wheelie on a little dirt bike or whatever. So they locked him in jail for... Uh, I don't know the exact amount of time. I want to say about a year. And um, I'm not sure if he was in like jail, jail or like, like prison or holding or whatever. You know, I'm not uh, too first in uh, prison uh, knowledge or whatever. I don't know the correct nomenclature I'm trying to say. But, you know, I- I'm glad that he's out because from what I knew about the story, it seemed like it was obviously an- yet another case of like, throw the book at the black dude, you know, because we can. And if you're rich and white or just lucky and white and connected, we'll, you know, we'll throw maybe a couple pages at you, maybe cross out a couple lines, you know, and, you know, just pat you on the back and push you on your way. But, you know, when you're black, throw that book at him, throw the whip at him, throw the noose at him fucking throw a cross on his lawn like throw all the shit at him you know that's just american history so whatever and also the last shout out of the episode is going to allison hartson who is also running for senate but she's running against diane feinstein and personally if we had kamala harris and allison hartson as our two senators i'd be all like you can't tell me shit we at least on the right track to do better in the state you know because uh, Diane Feinstein, it's time for her to go. She has definitely been here for way too fucking long. And she, uh, I won't say that she's a horrible person altogether, but I will say that it seems like she is just way more corrupt than looking out for the little people. And Allison is actually looking out for the little people. I mean, she met with a bunch of little people in a room. You know, I think there was about like, uh, want to say like, 20 or 30 of us and it was funny because uh, i knew about the meetup but i didn't realize until i got there that it was at a bar so uh, that was fun uh, i had a, a beer because there were a bunch of us in the room i shook her hand she's uh what uh did uh, catch me off guard is that uh she was wearing heels and she was my height and if you don't know i'm five six so in man height that's like we don't even respect you as a person most of the time so but she's uh, a, a female so uh, her height isn't as much of a problem, but for me, usually looking up to people, I was like, oh, it's refreshing to see, look eye to eye to someone. That's cool, you know, but I wasn't even here the other day. I just thought that was one of the first things I noticed. I was like, okay, cool. She's not like 5'10", and I don't have to like look up the whole time, you know, 
But uh, yeah, she's uh, she seemed really nice and she was really genuine and talked about, you know, the one thing that I feel like is is pretty much an unanimous agreement among the little people. And that is getting money out of politics, because regardless if you believe in uh, anti-abortion, like if you're pro-life, a pro-choice or pro-gun anti or pro-gun control, whatever stance you're for. I can almost guarantee you corruption plays some role in it at some point. And if we can just get money out of politics, we can at least limit that corruption a significant degree. So I'm definitely for Allison Hartson. She doesn't take uh, corporate PAC money. And the election for the primaries is June 5th. And that is in less than five weeks as of yesterday, I want to say. So um, I'm going to do my best to, uh, you know, stand for her because I'm definitely hoping that she wins, even though I understand, you know, that's the primary in June. But the primaries is when all the real players and uh, shakers are really determined. So I really, 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 really hope that everybody who knows me, who follows me on Facebook or Twitter or listens to this podcast votes for her. Obviously, you know, make your own decision, do your own research, but the second you start doing your own research and looking up any fucking thing, it looks really bad for Diane Feinstein. And she doesn't even allow volunteers. Like that's how bad it is. If you like that's just one of the many things that I give me significant pause with the thought of her getting reelected. And the fucked up part about Allison is that like I in my opinion, she's obviously a, a in like an insanely great candidate. And the fact that television will not even like bother to cover her is just very telling that like everybody just kind of like it's kind of like the Hillary Bernie treatment. It's just like we're just going to like put our fingers on the scale and for Diane Feinstein and just kind of help her out a little bit more than we should. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. The more money and the more power you got, the more everybody wants to kiss your ass and help you out and help you keep it, which is, you know, that's just America. Help the rich get richer and fuck everyone else in the process. Which leads me to, um, this isn't really a shout out, but, and I guess technically this is politics, but um, I, I will point out before I even get into the Kanye thing, before I even get into that, I will say I probably should have led with this. I heard breaking news about two hours ago or an hour ago from USA Today that Michael Cohen is pleading the fifth in the Stormy Daniels case. So I'm going to come back to that, but just wanted to throw that out there I probably should have said that earlier but this podcast isn't going live till midnight anyway so it might be old news and five hours for all I fucking know we might be bombed or going to war because it's happened before <laughs> like you're it's like a Friday oh it's cool it's a Friday oh we bombed Syria so I mean in this administration anything's possible unfortunately and uh, anyway let's get into Kanye so I'm going to assume most, if not all of the people listening to this episode have heard the whole fiasco with Kanye West. And um, so the thing with Kanye is he says on Twitter that he loves the way that Candace Owens thinks. And if you don't know who Candace Owens is, she, from what I under, the little bit I know about her, she uh, was a blogger, I want to say at some point, or 
she was doing something, pissed off a bunch of people. They like ostracized her, right? And then she has like a YouTube channel, kind of like a reawakening. She like kind of goes from liberal or whatever to Republican to conservative. And in this reawakening or whatever, she has determined from what I understand that black people think themselves as the victim because, you know, obviously there's no more racism because I'm, I'm paraphrasing. This is not direct quotes from her. Obviously there's no more racism because, you know, Obama got elected and, you know, black people are capable of equi- uh, acquiring wealth in this country. So obviously racism isn't that big of a deal. So, which is a flawed concept in my opinion. And I feel like most people's opinion, uh, I could be wrong about that, but uh, this long story short, Candace is not really friendly to traditionally pro-black mindsets and stances on certain issues. So long story short, she is on the right. So Kanye basically saying, I love the way she thinks like, oh, I like the way the right thinks, which in this climate is kind of like uh, public, re- public relations suicide. Like the second anyone defends Trump publicly, they just get eviscerated, which personally I'm not really that much against because I don't really fuck with Trump. And like being pro-Trump 2016, November 7th is a hell of a lot different from being pro-Trump today. So I can't really, I can't really rock with anyone who's like really standing for Donald Trump these days. I just inherently don't trust you because I'm going to think you're either incredibly dumb, incredibly naive incredibly easily fooled or uh gullible i guess is the easier word to say like i'm just gonna assume the worst about you because you can't just call a spade a spade and look at this dumbass in the face and realize he's just not even telling subtle lies to you on a almost hourly basis so i'm like if you can't put two and two together at this point can you really be saved i feel like is an arguable question uh, Charlemagne pointed out in his book that I just finished a couple weeks ago uh, this rule of 10 which basically says that there's three people who are always going to fuck with you there's three people who are never going to fuck with you and there's four people who are undecided and you should be going after those four undecided people instead of going after those three people who will never fuck with you and that's how I'm starting to feel about the Republicans more and more because there are some good Republicans and there are a lot of Republicans who are quote unquote conservative but don't claim the republican party because you know they don't claim trump but they still believe in the same give tax cuts to the rich and we don't really fuck with poor people or dark people or people not from this country or people who don't look like me they still like we don't believe in your right to uh self-agency or any of that shit like you know big government despite the fact that we claim we love small government you know the general republican hypocritical talking points so they usually agree with all of that but they just don't like how donald trump talks and acts and lies which technically is fair i can't fault you for what you believe in if you're not being a dick about it to the point of like actual harm like if you i guess if you're just like trolling online which i think is dickish and a waste of time is your prerogative but whatever either way my stance on kanye standing up for 
uh, Candace Owens and then later going on to say I love Donald Trump and wearing a MAGA hat, getting it signed by Donald Trump, getting retweeted by Donald Trump. All these Fox News, Infowars, super far right, medium far right people are just medium right, not medium far. But you know what I mean? Either way, those people are just running to Kanye like, ha, look at the left. They are so intolerant. They won't let him think for himself. They completely disbanded him. And it's just like, hey, you can do whatever the fuck you want. That doesn't mean we have to like it. Like no one's saying like, well, I can't say no one. People are crazy on the internet, but most people aren't saying, Kanye, you're not allowed to think what you want to think. They're just like, wow, that's really fucking disappointing. We thought you rock with people who are like us, but you rock with people who are like them. Which the way I'm personally taking it, Candace Owens, Fox News, Infowars, all them people included, is the rich. Because there are tons of poor white people who both side with Donald Trump and who side with Hillary or Bernie or the left in general. So I want to give white people the benefit of doubt and say it's about a 60-40 split where 60 for Trump, 40 for the the, the left. So not all white people are completely insane. So that's comforting. But the numbers are not in their favor when you are dark in this country <laughs> like you kind of instinctively just like mm, i'd be a lot safer if i were skeptical around you because history has taught me that if i'm not i'm probably going to get arrested and or killed and or made fun of after i'm dead but that's neither here nor there so the problem that i have with the kanye thing is to be honest not even with what he said but with how the internet reacted because if you don't know this about me I just really really fucking hate talking about celebrities all the time it's just I feel like there are just so many more things to do with your time like people who read like those people magazines like my mom like like the, all the like the reality shows like all that celebrity shit personally just I just have like less than zero interest and I get like upset when I'm forced to even watch it for like seconds at a time I'm just like who fucking cares <laughs> so this this whole controversy is kind of stupid the only reason why I'm talking about it is because there's like rumors that he's going to run for president and there's a large chance that America has not learned its lesson because as far as I'm concerned the left hasn't learned its lesson so it's probably a strong chance that the right hasn't either so as as far as I'm concerned, both sides are kind of fucking up, but for very different and definitely not equal reasons. I feel like the right is definitely fucking up to more dangerous degrees and more often than the left, but the left is definitely not scot-free in this shit. Like, why the fuck do y'all care so fucking much what Kanye thinks? Is he paying your fucking bills? No. Like, like, what the fuck do you care what he fucking thinks? Don't buy his shit and move the fuck on. Like, it's really that fucking simple, man. Like, if you don't like a celebrity or you don't like a company or you don't like a stance or you don't like this politician or, like, if you hit someone's wallet, nine times out of ten, they'll hear you way quicker. And they might even change their positions based off of it. So it's just like... You can argue as much as you want on Twitter. I personally think it's a waste of time, but don't get me wrong. I'm here for the memes. The memes are always great. I'm generally in favor of controversies as long as no one's hurt and they produce good memes. 
So if, if y'all going to roast Kanye, I'm with that. But let's, why is this a news story? <laughs> like this, like we, I'm, I'm totally down for cracking jugs, but the people who are like legit hurt and upset, like, oh my God, who fucking cares? But I'm talking about it. So whatever. But the one that, the one thing that surprised me is that Chance, uh, Chance is getting in on this. And what he said, honestly, wasn't, in my opinion, like at on a face value controversial, but um, it was just poorly timed if he was trying not to be controversial because he could have waited like three weeks and said that shit and no one would have batted an eye. But he's saying that now, like, uh, kind of making you look like you rock with these people too, which I'm hoping is not the case. I'm not going to turn on Chance like that because he's one of my favorite rappers, especially because he didn't really say shit. All he said was that, all black people don't have to be Democrats, which is actually true. But also the argument that I've seen is that was not the point, nor was that in question. So that's fair. Don't really know why he's going to put his neck on the chopping block for this one, but you know, it's up to him. But I, I'm not going to pretend like I rock with what Kanye said, because I definitely, I've listened to, um, a little bit of Candace Owens speak. Uh, she had an interview with David Rubin a while ago that I just finally got around listening to, I think like a month and a half ago. So she definitely said like, like of all the stands that she took, I probably like agreed with like maybe 10, 15% of what she said. So the, another problem that we have in this political climate is that like everyone thinks that everything is in absolutes where it's like, you're wrong about everything or you're right about everything. And every person is split on that to varying degrees. I generally believe that Republicans are wrong more often than they're right. And I generally believe that Democrats are right more often than they're wrong. But at the same time, we can't ignore that both sides don't have good arguments and both sides don't have bad arguments, but generally speaking republican bad arguments lead to death and direct uh increases of racist policies or policies that target the poor or people that don't look like white and christian and straight or whatever you want to the standard i guess the american standard anyone who varies from that mold is kind of like fucked from the get-go generally speaking seemingly on a regular basis in this country so Long story short, what Kanye West said was disappointing, but not enough of a disappointment for me to fucking lose sleep over. I'm just like, if you make a good song, I'll probably still listen to it. But am I going to like go to your show or buy your shirt or like buy the album? Like I got Spotify. I'm not giving you the money directly. If Spotify want to divvy that up, that's on them. But I'm not going out of my way to finance Kanye shit anyway. So it's like... Just don't, this boycott, it's like, like if we just turn boycotts into like, like this is my personal belief. I know this is kind of controversial depending on what you believe in, but like if we just turn boycotts into like natural reactions to shit we didn't like, we can make moves and make cultural changes much quicker. Like if we all decided as a country that like, if you're racist, you will not make money, people will probably stop being racist. Or you know, devil's advocate, probably hide their racism better. But at the very least, it wouldn't be as drastic as shit like, you know, Dylan Roof or like the KKK 
or whatever you want to call or like the fucking Nazi march in Georgia the other day. Like this, this uh, whatever. I, I'm over this topic. So let's get back into the Michael Cohen pleat in the pit. Uh, I, I read this article, I want to say uh, two weeks ago. And the way the article made it sound was that Michael Cohen had already pleaded the fit. And then I'm watching on TV like that, like, no, he hasn't. But Michael Avenatti, uh, Stormy Daniels lawyer was saying that he probably will. And then, you know, obviously Michael Cohen, Donald Trump, he's in the pod, uh, birds of a feather, la da da, lied and said, hey, that's not true. I'm not going to plead the fit, basically. Or I think Michael Cohen's lawyers did said say that essentially they're not going to plead the fit so la-di-da of course they fucking plead the fit not surprising whatsoever which is just so funny to me because he still hasn't been charged yet <laughs> so i'm just imagining this is like we're just gonna like we're just gonna collect every receipt on this nigga like 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 every candy bar he stole every old lady he shoved like every olive he didn't pay like we just go we go get the whole list and just give this nigga like 30 life sentences <laughs> and that's what i feel like is gonna happen I'm, I'm obviously pretty sure it's not gonna happen but oh that would be so fucking funny if that happened oh man but anyway uh before i uh get into the one the two stories that i really wanted to talk about i will just uh say this one funny thing that I saw from the onion, uh, just as I was about to start recording and I'm not even going to read the article. I'm just going to read you the title and nation suddenly concerned about black man's opinions. It's a picture of Kanye West, which is this like, goddamn onion. Why are you just so honest and so accurate all the time? <laughs> but, um, anyway, so this story is a couple days old, but and honestly, I feel like since Trump has been talking to Macron, uh, he's had his first, uh, the president of uh, France, if you don't know, he has uh, been visiting the White House, uh, I think the last two days. And so Trump has kind of been like, you know, relatively calm compared to normal. He hasn't been tweeting too much reckless shit that I've uh, noticed. And there hasn't been any crazy scandals regarding Russiagate that I've seen pop out recently. So as far as he's concerned, he's kind of been on his good behavior. I know it's only Wednesday, but by his standards, it's been a good week for him. So I'm going to talk about the story I read on uh, Saturday morning. And because it just, it was just, it just amazed me. It fucking amazed me because I know Donald Trump's a liar. Most people know Donald Trump's a liar, but there are literally tens of millions of people who think not only is he not a liar, but this is God's will that we, we are supposed to have Donald Trump because God deemed it so. So it's like this nigga is a liar on top of liar. So this is a Washington Post article. And basically the article is called Trump lied to me about his wealth to get on the, For the Forbes 400. Here are the tapes. And it's uh, by Jonathan Greenberg, and he talks about how he was one of the early people who did the research on who got onto the Forbes 400 in the early 80s, which is basically a list of the richest people in the country. And he 
uh, his the first list was in 1982, and the outcomings of the story basically say that the first three years that this magazine was running and Donald Trump was in the top 400 richest people in the country he lied about his actual wealth and it was never supposed to be in those first three at all so this this whole story is really long and really fucking insane but I'm just going to read to you a couple of highlights that stuck out to me and so they first came up with the idea uh, Malcolm Forbes came up with the idea in 1981 and from the beginning, Trump was obsessed with it. And he was one of the few rich people who was actually desperate to like get on, get his name on the list. Because uh, I don't know if you know this about rich people, but the real, real rich people don't really like to let you know they're rich. They just like to quietly pay for shit and just go on about their businesses silence because they don't need all that attention on their wallet you know what I mean so the really really rich people don't like to flaunt it but Donald Trump was desperate to scale it according to this article and the 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 lies that he say are just so insanely large basically that the author of this article gave him the benefit of the doubt on them like like, I'll give you an example. Like, he says I he has $100. I don't quite believe that. Maybe he has 50 And the summation of this article basically is like, no, he didn't even have 50 He had, like, 5 So he told you he had $100. He actually had 5 But you gave him the benefit of the doubt and said he had 50 So that's basically the Cliff Notes version of this article. So... I'm going to give you a couple of uh, uh, interesting bits that uh, this really, this had my jaw drop. I was like literally glued to my screen reading this. So first off, from the way this article is worded and the tone, I'm, I may be reading into it. It seems like Donald Trump's dad, Fred Trump, knew his son was full of shit and knew he was a pathological liar and just kind of like, didn't really have the time or energy to deal with it so he was just like fuck it let's let him do him and i'm gonna do me that's basically the way it makes makes it sound and he, he his quote is they uh let me let me just read this quote so fred fred trump turned down my attempts to interview him for the forbes 400 he allowed donald to say whatever he wanted about the family business and the only major interview he gave after Donald seized the limelight, Fred told the New York Times in 1983 that Donald had a competitive spirit and I don't want to compete with him. He amazes me. He's gone way beyond me. Absolutely. So I am, there's a high chance I'm reading into this, but the way I took it, it sounded like he's just like, ugh. He just wants to flaunt and stunt and I don't really want to deal with it. So just let him stunt like whatever, you know, I, I got, I got the bin, I got the bands to break them off a little, little change. So it's whatever. That's basically how I'm reading into it. So long story short, Donald Trump lied about all of these properties he owned and how much of those properties he owned, how much they were worth, how much he paid for things, how much debt he had, how much cash he had. He, this, this article is like, I'm estimating like thousands of words of just basically Trump lied about this. Trump lied about that. Trump lied about this. I got the stats on that. I got the stats on this. This says this. The court says this. This court says this. This lawsuit says this. It's just like, 
Like, holy shit, nigga, you have so many lies on record that people just don't give half a fuck about. And this amazes me. And it's like, Teflon Don is honestly the the most fitting nickname that he can have. So, it's just ridiculous. So, let let me uh, read you another bit of the story. The number of, uh, of apartments was the first problem. The commonly cited figure that his family owned 25,000 units began with the mention of 22,000 apartments in the fawning 1976 New York Times profile. In 1988, after I left Forbes, I counted the units and found fewer than 8,000. I was working on a documentary about Trump that was never completed. Another Forbes reporter that year, John Anderson, found the same thing. He called the Trump Residential Management Organization, and he told me then, and asked an executive named Harry Green how many apartments the company owned. And he says about 10,000. That's what he told him. Meaning that the 1982 family valuation of the 200 million should have been just about 90 million, which was below the cutoff for inclusion on the list for that year. A few minutes later... He calls them back and says, no, 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 it was 25,000. So just this, like, this is look about this. Think about this lies. So he says that he owns 25,000 units and actually, no, it's uh 22,000. Then he does his research. No, it's 8,000. And then when he calls them, he says, it's about 10,000. So it's like, they're still lying. So it's about 10,000. And what, what's even funnier about it? Is that like he Donald Trump was saying that he owns those buildings? Those were his dad's. <laughs> Just amazing. And uh, he uh, won the first uh, Forbes list in 1982. And the example I used earlier, he said that he was worth about a hundred million. And when they did the math, he was worth less than five million. It's just like his lies are just so fucking large. They're just so large. It's just like, oh my God, how do y'all believe this lying dude? Like, I just can't, I'm just, I'm constantly shocked and I'm just constantly numb. Just like, wow, y'all believe this lie too and this lie too and that lie too. So let me, let me keep reading because it's just a fun article. I was just like, really? Like all of these lies? So anyway, let me, let me continue. Later, attempts by Trump to paint himself as a fantastically wealthy were also duplicitous. In 1989, Trump sent Forbes journalist Harry Seneker a statement of his $3.7 billion net worth. I have obtained the letter and it indicated $900 million in liquid assets, which is cash. And I am more liquid than any major development in the developer in the United States, Trump wrote inducing the magazine to increase Trump's listing from $1 billion in 1988 to $1.7 billion in 1989. But according to the New York Jersey Casino Commission, New Jersey, not New York Jersey, <laughs> New Jersey Casino Commission, which issued another report in 1991, by the end of 1990, Trump's entire cash position in both his business and personal accounts was $19 million. He said he had 900 million. He had 19. 
and the amount was insufficient to pay the debt of his over-leveraged casino and real estate holdings while still covering his personal expenses of $1 million a fucking month. They didn't say fucking in the Washington Post, but I'm adding extras on it, as you can probably tell. So his net worth, which he said it was $3.7 billion, was about $205 million which was less than 6% of what he said. So it's like, these lies are just so big. Like you literally have to be dumber than shit or naive as fuck to still be believing them. Cause I I know I shouldn't, but at this point in time, I'm giving everyone a pass who voted for him in 2016. I'm giving everyone a pass. But if you still rocking with him, that pass is revoked, It's, it's gone. That's how I feel. Like, if you voted for him in 2016, all's forgiven. If you are voting Democrat in this upcoming election, then all is forgiven. But as far as I'm concerned, y'all still fucked up. But everybody fucks up. I can let it go. But if y'all still rocking with him, I can't let that shit go. Like, y'all y'all for real lost causes, man. I, I know this uh, phrase is getting overused nowadays with the whole Kanye situation, but y'all niggas really in the second place if y'all still trust Donald Trump. I mean, all the... Uh, I, real question. Are there enough numbers in the world to count how many lies Donald Trump has told in his lifetime? Legit question. Someone do the research on that one. I wonder if it's a finite number that he has lied in his life. Legit question. Anyway, last quote. Three people with direct knowledge of Donald Trump's finances estimated his true net worth after debts to be somewhere between $150 million and $250 million as of 1996. When he said, no, 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 I take that back. As of uh, 2011. And uh, Donald Trump sued for libel because he said he was worth six billion, but he's actually worth one hundred fifty to two hundred fifty million. So he sued for libel and lost, and that's when the court proved that he was only worth about two hundred to three hundred million, which is a lot less than six billion, if you can't probably tell. So as of the 2016 election, he said he was worth ten billion. So just following this trend, he may at most be worth two billion which seems like a fucking lot compared to his lies so actually mathematically uh whatever six percent of 10 billion is he probably owns about that much money so more than most of us but like why lie why lie about shit that don't need to be lied about but whatever i guess that uh also was another hard hitter in this article is that why lie about shit that doesn't need to be lied about? Well, when you're in the Forbes list and you can't prove how much money you have, going up to uh, loan sharks or whatever and saying, hey, I'm worth X amount of money. Just read this article. Give me a loan. So he's gotten a ton of free press and he's gotten a ton of loans over the years and he's been bankrupted at what, five, six times? So... It, the, the the cons just never keep they never stop he's just on to the latest con which is us and if you haven't seen scott pruitt <laughs> or uh mick mulvaney's recent uh fuck up where he uh basically said out loud that if you're a lobbyist and you ain't paying me i ain't got 
time to listen to you. He said, if it don't make dollars, it don't make me listen. That's basically what he said. And Mick Mulvaney is just blatant with the shit now because he knows no one's doing anything anymore. Like, it's basically like those classic episodes where it's just like, oh, we don't have cops in the city anymore. What do we do? Just run around or whatever. Like, that's basically how the country is being run. Like, oh, we're the cops now. All right, we can just rob the city. <laughs> that's basically how they're running the shit. But anyway. I'm going to move on to my last political story of the day, which is the most recent political story. And I'm pulling this one from ABC News. So uh, Ronnie Jackson, the president's physician, was uh, nominated to run the VA, uh, I want to say a couple weeks or a month ago. I don't know. As you probably can guess, time's all fucked up for me. And uh, he basically was was had a lot of skepticism was like we don't know if he's really qualified for this position you know uh he doesn't really have the experience blah 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 so we don't know and recently more crazy allegations have come out completely devoid of the experience question and they are fucking to be perfectly honest with you hilarious so he has been accused of several things and this is coming from the raking Democrat on the Veteran Affairs Committee, John Tester, and he has 20 sources of current and former officials. And the accusations include drinking on the job, crashing a government vehicle while drunk at a party, and being unresponsive to calls when he was traveling with the president. Uh, I didn't uh, get which president they were talking about, but... He served with uh, Bush, Obama, and Trump. So one of those three. Uh, he was traveling with the president one time and he couldn't be reached because he was passed out drunk in his hotel room. And another time he was overseas late night and he was drunk and he banged on this door of a female co-worker's hotel room late at night. And the Secret Service had to stop him because he almost woke up President Obama. And he's also been accused of recklessly prescribing Percocet. Uh, a large supply without even documenting it. And on Air Force One, he was prescribing Ambien and Provigil, which I looked up as basically like a, a stay awake drug. And basically to put you to sleep or keep you awake, whatever you need, he got it. And he earned the nickname the Candyman. And he was also described as toxic, abusive, and volatile. And someone else described him as the most unethical person I've ever worked with. Which was by far my favorite quote because in this administration, you could be saying that about half of the fucking people there. So I was like, holy shit. She probably doesn't work in the White House. Or he does he probably doesn't. I don't know why I think it was a she. But um, they probably don't work in the White House. <laughs> the, like, like mm, you definitely don't work around Trump if you think this dude is the most unethical person but these are all allegations and from what I understand they're all anonymous and uh, the White House is you know they're with them you know they, you know they never turn on nobody and uh, which is weird because Donald Trump said uh, yesterday that if it were a hand, if I were in his shoes I wouldn't do it but he's still standing by him mostly well, I even say that but whatever I mean not the first time he just said some shit that probably shouldn't have been said and um so yeah th those were the highlights of the accusations against ronnie jackson so 
two things immediately came to mind when I'm hearing all of this. One probably sounds like a better person to hang out with than to treat the president of the United States. But, you know, I'm not appointing these people. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe you you need a dude who just got the hookup and it was just a chill ass dude at parties when you're president because you're just always stressed out. I don't know. I've never run the free world before. All I'm saying is, dude kind of seems fun. Just not professional at fucking all. I mean, if you're drinking on the job, come on, guy. Like, if you're crashing cars, come on, guy. But if you're just like a random nigga on the street doing that shit, I'm like, this nigga's crazy. Oh, look at him. Oh, what he doing this week? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a whole different thing. But, bro, you in the White House doing all mm, That's not a good look. And uh, he denies all these allegations. I mean, what else can you do? And people are calling on him to drop out because, uh, I mean, at, at this point, I'd say drop out too, just because if you don't do it, I mean, if you don't drop out and you get con- and you get confirmed and elected and all of that shit, like everybody's going to be like talking shit about you behind your back for the rest of your career. Like no one will ever let that go, true or false. <laughs> like... Like, even if it's, like, honestly, I kind of hope these accusations are true because if they're false, like, like Donald Trump and the Republicans and the White House or whatever, they're never going to believe any, any negative thing about someone on their side ever again. Like, why should we believe Scott Pruitt is corrupt? I mean, y'all lied about Ronnie Jackson. Like, I could totally see Trump saying that in like two weeks. Like, like, would not be surprised at fucking all. But at the same time, if you did do this shit, you definitely, definitely, definitely should not be running the VA. You might have to get your license revoked, but if you find yourself broke in San Francisco, I offer to smoke you out. That's the best I can do. And and, um, with that, I feel like it's a good stopping point for the political part of this episode. So um, let's go ahead and move into uh, the video games. So... First and foremost, um, we are, hold on, uh, shit, I fucking, I closed the thing. Oh, well, so, uh, PlayStation Plus for May, the list of games that are coming out for PlayStation Plus this, uh, upcoming May have been released and I had the list pulled up on my computer, closed it, but, um, the two games that stuck out to me, which will probably stick out to most of you were um Rayman Legends and Beyond Two Souls are both going to be free next month on PS4 and I haven't played either of those games which is why I'm hyped because I've always wanted to play Beyond Two Souls but I never wanted to pay for it so I'm finally getting my wish so that might be the best game for me to play as transition into Detroit after God of War and um yeah, uh, also, uh, the Detroit demo came out yesterday, if you didn't know, it's on PS4, and I highly recommend you play it, um, I was in love with the demo, and I purposely only played it one time, because I was like, I kind of don't want to ruin it for myself, but I kind of want to get every single ending immediately, and it just, I, I, I knew that game was going to be good when I first saw the trailers, but I'm like finally playing it. I was like, yes, it's finally here. <laughs> but um, I do have a, a minor problem with this game that 
I assume I'll get used to the more I play it. And that is, instead of button presses, they're all uh, analog movements. So you do like press left on the analog stick or press right or do a quarter circle to the right or whatever. So they're all like kind of like directional inputs rather than press X, press square, which I miss. And there, there's still some button presses, but they're not like just for like the shit like picking up a picture or investigating evidence, whatever. There's no, I mean, most of that is like with analog sticks and shit, which I'm like, I, I'm assuming I'll get used to. It's not a big deal by any means, but the first time I used it, I was like, eh, well, whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super, I'm, I'm even more excited. The game comes out May 25th. So, um, well, for some reason, I thought it came out in June and July, uh, but, uh, it's coming out in May. So that's, uh, literally a month away from today. So, uh, I'm, I'm ready for that. I, I'm not going to take off work for that one. God of War was a special day. So, um, let me, uh, just get into that. Also, I played a little bit of Kirby. Uh, I'm, I'm not playing as much Kirby as I probably should, but God of War came out. So let me just go ahead and dive into God of War. <clears throat> that was not me diving into God of War. That was me clearing my throat. So as you can probably tell, I've been talking for like 50 minutes. And now I got some water and I'm good. So anyway, God of War. Um, This game is fucking amazing. No surprise. I love it a lot. No surprise. The story is really good. No surprise. I'm enjoying the combat. No surprise. So, so far, the only surprises are story related. None of the actual content of the game has caught me off guard. But I will acknowledge that the, I think the Metacritic for God of War is 95 or 96. And if you don't know what Metacritic is, is basically the average game scores of all the reviewers on the internet over all the like name brand ones or whatever. So of all the uh, name brand uh, reviewers decided that on average, God of War is a 95% out of a hundred. So long story short, great game. And let me get some more water. <clears throat> okay. I probably could have paused it to do that, but why? We keeping it real. But unlike Dave Chappelle, this is not going to go wrong. And anyway, what was I saying? I was saying how God of War is great. Not many surprises. But I will say that the Metacritic and all the responses and everybody saying it's so great. It's so good. I love it. It's one of my favorite games ever. One of the best games of all time. I've heard a lot of high, high praise. And I think maybe... 90 95% of that is earned but personally speaking I'm kind of surprised at how like I'm not completely like just like losing my shit over God of War like I'm definitely enjoying the game I can't really think of anything that I really want or it's missing other than one huge thing and um so far I am definitely loving the game and I'm just antsy to beat it so I can see the story conclude. So uh, I'm almost certain the second I finish recording, I'm going to go hop into God of War because holy shit, I'm ready. 
uh, I, I, I am, uh, I want to say about halfway through, maybe, maybe half, maybe a little bit past halfway through. A uh, great game. And yeah, uh, if you never played a God of War, you can still just hop into this one. Highly recommend it. I'm playing it on hard, actually, because I found uh, normal to be a little bit too easy. I, I was like not getting challenged at all. So when I first switched to hard, I just coincidentally walked into a super hard fight. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going back to normal. And then a little bit later, I switched it back to hard and I haven't taken it off since. So right now I'm rocking with hard mode and uh, I'm not regretting it at all. It's so much fun, so much more challenging. I'm actually having to think about my moves and I'm feeling a lot like I'm feeling much more of a, I'm feeling like much more of a badass. The fact that I'm actually going up against more stronger creatures and still doing just as well. So I can still get through a couple of fights without taking damage, which is nice. And I mean, I'm usually using my ranged moves more often than not, but I will, um, I'm gonna give you a spoiler warning. Now I'm gonna start getting into a little bit more spoilery stuff, get a little bit more specific. The one th- I haven't beaten the game yet, but the one thing that I am desperately missing and I'm hoping will be like bonus content or pop up at like the very end of the story or some some at some point in the game it inevitably comes out. And that is the old chains, like the the weapons that made him famous, like the fucking fire blade chains or whatever they used to like throw and spin and shit. Like I I desperately need those weapons to make a reappearance in this game and it doesn't even have to be in the story it could be like a bonus thing it could be after the fact it can be some super hard unlock i'm fine with all of that but i need it in the game i just need to know it exists because everything in this game handles so well and i just want to see how it would feel to fuck up some enemies using those chains like oh my god that would make my whole fucking week, man. Just, just let me just pop people in the air, slam them on the ground. All them old ass combos I used to do on PS2. Like, come on, I need that shit, please. Like, uh, I, so if it's in the game, no one tell me. But as of right now, I don't know. So I had, I needed to be there. And I am, I am, uh, at, where am I at? I just uh, got to the spot with the Giants. Um... There's like a dead giant on the ground. I had to like kind of platform and fight or whatever around it. I got the head on my hip who's talking shit and kind of helping me out. Um, The more I play this game, the more I'm really starting to appreciate the the audio cues. Because you definitely kind of have like the game, if you don't know, it kind of has like tank controls. So it's like you can only walk forward or backward kind of sort of thing. And like you, you can w- walk a little bit more to the side. It's a little bit more fluid, but you like you're you kind of move on like a track in a sense. So your tunnel, your vision is only in the. There's no overhead camera. It's behind you. So if there are enemies behind you trying to kill you, you don't really have that many cues to tell you, other than a little like red or white arrow pointing in a direction. And nine times out of ten, that actually confuses me more. It makes me more paranoid because it like I feel like more often than not it'll point me in the direction of nothing, and I'll be like swearing like six people are behind me, and I'll jump like all erratically and then look like oh no he wasn't behind me he was on my left like 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 holy shit like these these uh 
arrows and shit kind of fucked me up. So I kind of just started tuning them out, honestly. I was like, fuck it, I'll just use my own gut and dodge when I feel like I have pressure. But having the head and your son, Atreus, I forgot the Mimir, his name. So having Mimir and um, Atreus, like shout out, like on your left, behind you, look out. That it's starting to prove more helpful than it was when in the beginning. Because I kind of was just watching TV or listening to music or whatever I was doing. So I wasn't really paying attention to that. I was kind of tuning it out. But now I'm really starting to appreciate it a lot. And um, what else? Uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, really fucking with God of War. And uh, hopefully I can finish the game this weekend. Uh, I'm going to a play my uh, my friend got me free tickets to this play that she's working on and so me and my girl are gonna go on friday so i can't play friday night unless it's like late and probably some bullshit at the house on the weekend like every other weekend so i'm gonna play when i can but i'm kind of upset because one of my friends already beat the game and we both got it on the same day so and I think I started the game like an hour or so before he did too. So whatever. And I'm just uh, rushing through at this point, trying to uh, cut back on my TV and all of that until I catch up and finish the game. And then once I finish the game, I can, you know, 100% collect everything, get the platinum trophy. And for that, probably just going to put the game on mute and then catch up on TV on the side. So with that said, um, I think I covered all the stuff on God of War I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. Because uh, the story is is good. And I really appreciated the fake out ending. Because I thought for sure this game was going to be like 8 hours long or whatever. I heard it was longer but you know I was still kind of skeptical. And there's a part in the game where it's like, oh, we're going to the mountain. And then, like, you kind of get close to the mountain. And it's just like, oh, wrong mountain. This is like, fuck. <laughs> so uh, I appreciated that. Because I was like, cool, the game's not over yet. I can keep playing a lot more. And then I looked at the chapter select. I think I was at, like, like chapter, like, five or what. Not chapter select, but, like, the, like, mission count or whatever on IGN. Like, the main missions. I think I was in the like first third or like the first half or whatever so uh I, i'm playing through but i'm playing on hard and i'm trying to collect that as much as shit as possible and i'm trying to upgrade everything as much as possible so i'm definitely taking my time romance in this game i'm not rushing it but at the same time i'm rushing it so i'm enjoying the fuck out of it and what else um shit i uh, uh, fuck uh shit fuck if that one was so vulgar, that'd be the episode name of this one. But, um, either way, yeah. I guess that's a good stopping point for the game section. Let me just, uh, get into TV real quick, fast, and then I'll let you beautiful people on your way. And so, first and foremost, I, uh, since I, I met Allison Hartson last night, I didn't get a chance to watch the 100 in full. I did watch part of it. I watched the first, like, let's say, like, 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is uh, really good. And it was really dark. It was kind of depressing, which is pretty much standard for the course with that show. 
It's, it's kind of like how, like, how do we make this show more depressing every season, but still just be incredibly entertaining and incredibly gripping. Just like, like that's is basically the, the 100th motto. Because the first episode was like happy-go-lucky damn near. And even though like people died and the shit was going down, like like people smiled and were genuinely happy. And now it's just like, fuck. Like, I can't remember the last time I've seen Clark smile. Like, holy fucking sh- I genuinely don't remember. And, uh, yeah, like, I don't, I'm trying not to spoil it because I know there's a lot of people who don't watch the 100, but at the same time, we're in season five. So, you know, uh, uh, maybe if the season gets a little bit more deeper and I fucking finish the episode, I'll feel like spoiling shit more. But as of right now, I'm just going to say I'm curious to see where this episode goes. I want to know when the fuck Clark meets up with humans again. Cause this whole, I am legend, one person on the screen shit kind of always, you know, I, I've never been a fan of that plot point and die in uh, movies and TV and whatever. So we need more people on screen ASAP. I'm, I'm ready. And, uh, also I just saw on Facebook today that troll hunters part three is coming out on May 25th as well. So Maybe I should take off May 25th. We'll see. I probably won't. But, oh, man, that would be a good day to get sick. Holy shit. So if anyone wants to, like, give me food poisoning the night of May 24th, I am not 100% against it. And, um, yeah. Uh, Troll Hunters comes out, part three. That's uh, easily... One of Netflix, the one of the Netflix shows that caught me off guard the most. But I had to pick, if I had to make a list, that's probably in my top three of like this show surprised the shit out of me. And um, I don't even know when, why, or when I started watching it. But I just coincidentally saw it one day. I started watching. I'm like, this is really good for a kids show. And then the more I watched, I'm like, wow, this is really good for a kids show. And now um, I finish part one and I started telling my friends I got a couple people into it and then uh part two came out I want to say in December so um I honestly expected them to say part three is coming out in like a year or two so back in the day it's even coming out in May is coming it's like completely caught me off guard so I'm super excited for that and if you don't know what Troll Hunters is it's a Netflix show that's uh written by Guillermo del Toro, if I remember correctly, and it's animated by Pixar. And the premise of the show is basically this kid stumbles upon the secret uh, society of trolls that basically uh, live in darkness under the city. And um, he eventually gets powers, kind of like Power Rangers, where he gets like a medallion, gets this powered up suit, and he gets a sword and shit. And he uh, fights, you know, hunts trolls, evil trolls, not the good ones. They got they got factions and shit. It's a surprisingly deep, has really good combat. There's actual death in it. Like they they, they tackle some heavy shit and it's a really good show. And I love it a lot. And I still just am caught off guard at how good that show is. I'm just like, wow, like this show has no business being as good as it is. Like there's really no reason for the show to just be so well written and entertaining and it that super underrated highly recommended uh and that's on netflix so you got uh i guess one and a half seasons apparently so yeah you can watch a one and a half seasons on netflix 
And the other half of season two comes out on May 5th, apparently. And um, so the 100, uh, Troll Hunters. Also, I finally saw last week's Atlanta. That shit was really fucking dark, but it was really good. It was almost like the weird uh, horror episode with Lakeith Stanfield and Donald Glover and the weird uh, rich white dude face. But the, uh, the Atlanta episode this time was like, just like, I feel like this was scary for my soul. I was like wow like people really are like this like this is so believable and it, like, like everything about the episode was just horrific to me but it was like honestly one of the better episodes of the whole series in my opinion because like this i can say that about like half if not most of the episodes in this season alone it's just they're just all really good if you're not watching atlanta this season you're fucking up so many good episodes and they're all just like holy shit episodes too and uh the, but basically the woods episode i'm gonna give you the rundown if you didn't see it uh basically um Paperboy, um wow i forgot his real name uh well i guess i forgot his name in the show um paper basically on a shitty date with this girl that he's entertaining uh gets chased into the woods due to some unrelated uh, circumstances and has some horrifying shit happen to him in the woods eventually comes out of the woods so I feel like that's a pretty spoiler free description of the episode so highly recommend it the episode was good the barbershop episode is still my favorite of this season and um, the piano episode is also pretty crazy too but yeah the uh, Atlanta the woods episode was off the fucking hook and also tonight uh, i'm not sure if i'm gonna be able to stay up for it but tonight is another good night for tv because archer is coming back on tv and that's one of my favorite cartoons and uh archer is kind of a a tough show to recommend because they have so many like deep cut intellectual jokes that i don't understand and like they'll be referencing people that i'm like who the fuck and like they'll like the jokes will be so fucking obscure that i'll like eventually google them I'm just like oh that's what he meant <laughs> like there's one episode where he like where uh Tr- krieger re- references this one obscure disease and i was like like oh so that's what he meant by that joke like e- either way new season of archer tonight super hyped for it uh last season was the dreamland season which is kind of like a weird spinoff season and now we're having another weird spinoff season danger island i'm not sure if they ever addressed the fact that if he's alive or dead or not because they kind of just killed him off i'm now two seasons ago and then just never continued the storyline like hey let's just go on to separate adventures they talked about it i think for like five episodes in season eight which was last season and now season nine danger island i i didn't look this up and i don't know if it's been confirmed or not but i don't think they're gonna talk about it this season either and i'm just like what the fuck like just give me some like real fucking stories like i mean like not real i mean like give obviously they're cartoons give me some like continuity on the story you've already established for seven seasons you know what i mean like these feel like cop-out seasons like hurry up and tell me what fucking happened and you can like there are there are many ways they can like walk themselves out of that they just have to figure it out but whatever um yeah that's a that's about it for this episode uh uh, also playoffs um i saw um 
couple scores pop up when I was doing this podcast, but apparently Pacers lost, which really, really bums me out. I thought they were going to win this game and put Cleveland in their place, but nope. So it looks like they are about to lose this series if, if uh, statistics are any indicator. Uh, they uh, lost by a buzzer beater from LeBron, apparently. And, yeah, fuck, that sucks. So uh, Pacers are down to Cavs uh, 3-2. And uh, Wizards are down to the Raptors 3-2. And a uh, fun fact, Wizards were always one of my favorite Eastern Conference teams until uh, Embiid started doing his thing. And uh, Simmons started doing their thing. I'm like, Mm-mm. yeah, I don't know what I was thinking with the Wizards, man. <laughs> like, I, I really like John Wall, but, you know, he's not a team. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, definitely Philadelphia, by far, my favorite Eastern Conference team this year. By fucking far. I, I would love for it to be a Warriors-76ers finals. Holy shit, that would make my goddamn day. And, um... Yeah, I'm ready for it. And uh, the Warriors moved on. So Warriors and Pelicans. Uh, I'm not sure when that starts. But, you know, whatever. I'm hyped for it. And, yeah. I, um, yeah. Deuces, I guess. Uh, follow me on Twitter. At Ugly Flame. And if you want to uh, like or subscribe or rate or whatever the, the the methods are on my podcast that would be really nice i would really appreciate it you can uh follow me on anchor or itunes google play stitcher blueberry all of them shits the don't quote me podcast which boy maurice mcmillan you don't have to type which boy when you search it you can just type maurice mcmillan don't quote me Nine times out of ten, I'll be the first result. But um, yeah, uh, I'm 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 kind of stalling on this episode because I'm struggling to think of a good name title for this one, and I just I can't think. Like I'm trying. Hmm, I don't know. I'm just gonna start throwing words like Detroit, Kanye, Chance, Trump. No, that's not a good one. That's a, that's a bad one. Um, how about Black Excellence and Black Escape? No, that's not a good one either. I don't, I don't fucking know. I'll figure it out, I guess. I'll figure it out. 